What's up everybody? It's Dan from Binder Boneyard coming at you from the office. Uh, another cold February day. Uh, a little nicer than it was earlier in the week. It was frigid and snowing earlier so um, it's nice to be in the you know low 40s today. Um, say thank you to everybody following along, subscribing, um, the donators, all that stuff got a lot of irons in the fire and every dollar helps um, you know I I can't stress that enough how grateful I am and uh, how much I appreciate everybody um, doing a live stream on uh, Instagram right now too so you know trying to spread that spread that around so if you want to subscribe on Instagram and get the podcasts uh, earlier uh, in pretty much real time um, you can go ahead and jump over there. It's like three bucks a month. Um, not a bad, not a bad deal, really. Um, got some stuff in the in the irons in the fire. Um, got a big parts collection in Southern California. I'm trying to get my hands on. Pretty much done deal. Uh, I just need to scrape up the rest of the money. So uh, yeah, you're going to be seeing a lot of stuff for sale, a lot, a lot of stuff getting pushed out there on the internet, really trying to move some product and help um, help fill the coffers. Because it seems like that anytime these deals come up, it's always when I'm just a little bit short. You know, <laughs> I never have just enough to uh, to cover it. It's always, it's always a little bit uh, short. So um you know, it's a huge collection. It's not all international parts. Some of it's, you know, just old truck parts, um, uh, bolt bins, um, brass fitting bins, old vintage hardware, uh, some old tools, uh, some Pexto sheet metal equipment that I'm excited about. There's a pickup and some other stuff. But, uh, yeah, so um, that's what uh, I'm I'm working towards, but uh, you probably hear some noise in the background. It's windy outside. That's our sign blowing around uh, that hangs on the building. So, um, yeah. But uh, today's podcast is all about steering and various types of it and the do's and don'ts and whatnot. Um, so, you know, going back to the 50s trucks, a lot of them had, they didn't have tie rod ends. They had this ball and socket arrangement that you could um, adjust, um, you know, the spring loaded, I don't know what you want to call it. There's like a puck inside of this, inside of the sleeve. And then you had a spring behind it and there was a big threaded flat thing you'd screw in behind there. And then you put a cotter key in it and it kept everything locked together. Um, the only problem was that over time, the ball would start to wear on the other side of the joint and it wasn't spring loaded and then turns into a big oval. Uh, and then if it got real bad, uh, I've seen them pop out on a, you know, hard enough, hard enough impact. They'll pop out. Uh, so at some point they probably early sixties. They kind of went away from that and got into actual 
tie rod ends and drag link ends. Um, there's some confusion among the wording. Um, so tie rod ends are, you know, tapered stud socket ball socket arrangement. Um, but they don't have very much misalignment. They are made, you know, they have like 10 degrees of wobble in either direction because the tie rod is the thing that spans from knuckle to knuckle. It's the big long one. Um, that's what we consider a tie rod. Uh, some people call it a center link, I think. I don't know. I There's terminology around the country that's different than what we use here. And so people call it looking for, you know, how many hogsheads to the bushels they're going to get. And I'm just like, I, you're going to have to speak uh, West Coast. Because, uh, yeah. But they have, you know, very little misalignment. And uh, so drag link ends have more movement they have like 25 to 30 degrees of misalignment that they will move back and forth because the drag link is the one that goes from the pitman arm which is on the steering box to the steering arm which is on the axle um or on like a scout 2 it connects to the knuckle on the passenger side um on d series and the pickups and stuff it'll connect to a arm that's on the driver's side. Uh, we refer to that as push-pull steering because that's what it does. It pushes and pulls. Um, so tie rod ends, you know, they came in all various tapers and lengths and you know, they didn't really start getting standard until the late 70s. That's why the Scout 2 ones are kind of obsolete because they've got a weird well, the tie rod on the Scout 2 has a bend in the middle, and so to make adjustment to them, you, you know, you threaded, the threads had to be really coarse to make up adjustment. Um, but then the other side, the, the right-hand side, was not coarse. It was very fine. So just a, it was just a mismatch. That's why we make new ones uh, out of solid bar stock with common off-the-shelf joints that you know, are easy to adjust and easy to install and easy to get. Um, and that's kind of the, what you have to do nowadays if you want to keep stuff on the road. Um, if it's obsolete, that's the only way to go about it. But um, so we go to the manual steering. Uh, you know, the steering boxes in the old days were tiny. They're just like worm drive. Um, uh, you know, bearings riding on a, a worm gear and the steering box and the steering column were all one piece. The worm gear was machined into the end of the steering rod, which was inside the column. So a direct connection from the steering wheel to the worm gear on the end. And I don't know if that was a safety thing, if they were worried that, you know, something was going to happen and it was going to come apart. But um, up until like 67, at least in the internationals, it was all one piece uh, in the full size. The Scouts, 61 with the Scouts, the there was a bell on the end and splines and, and the column. But even then, the column was one piece from the end of the shaft all the way to the steering wheel. So 
Uh, you get a lot of wear. You can get wear in that bell and get some slop in there. Um, you know, they were greasable, but they either never got greased or they got over greased and it blew the boot out and then more gunk got in there. But, um, so, you know, the manual steerings, they, they kind of get neglected because you can't really rebuild them yourself. They're really hard to send out to be rebuilt. And there's a lot of uh, misconception about them. Like there's a lot of them have a adjuster nut on the top that sets um, like a preload backlash on the uh, sector shaft. And because the sector shaft is the thing that runs out of the box that the pitman arm is attached to. And there's a lot of guys on the internet that are like, oh, you just crank down that adjuster until the steering gets tight again. Well, but it doesn't. What it's doing is it's bottoming the sector shaft out in the housing. So it gives you the illusion that the steering is firm, but really it's just grinding away on the inside of the housing. Uh, a lot of times that worm gear, well, a lot of times the seals blow out and then all the oil, which is like a heavy gear oil, will leak out of the sector shaft. And then the box will run dry for years and you still drive on it. And eventually the worm gear and the recirculating balls or whatever it rides on in there will wear out. And no amount of adjustment is going to take up for a worn worm gear. So you got to send it out and having those boxes rebuilt, you know, is kind of an ordeal because you got to ship it with the, the box and the steering rod sticking out of it. Um, so the early trucks, it was small. The boxes were kind of small, but just like everything, as the trucks grew, as the size increased, as the weight, power, GVW, everything got bigger. So did the steering gear. So by the early 70s when you could still get manual steering in a d-series truck the manual steering boxes were dang near the same size as the power boxes um so you know it was uh it was just kind of the nature of the beast to continue to just grow and grow like that and they got more durable and and whatnot but no boxes impervious if all the oil leaks out uh and so you know, there's band-aids. You know, if you can get a seal back in that sector shaft, you can keep the oil in for a little while longer. But if it gets to the point where you've got several inches of slop back and forth in the wheel and your tie rod ends are good, your kingpins are good, your trunnion bearings are good, or, you know, drag link is good, steering box is bolted down tight. If you still got a bunch of play, then that's probably where you need to look is having the box rebuilt. So, uh, it's really, it's, it's even worse than the four wheel drives. Um, because the four wheel drive trucks were very, uh, aggressive. You know, when you're in four wheel drive and you got the wheels cranked, those steering joints are trying to point the wheels straight again. The, the whole dynamic of a U joint is it's trying to, take that angle joint and make it straight. So that's why if you've ever seen somebody like climbing a hill and they're just like revved out and they got the wheels turned, 
the front tires start flapping back and forth. They're just like sawing, you know, quickly back and forth. That is the effect of the U-joints trying to straighten the axle shaft back out. So imagine having that happening with a manual steering box. So it's just taking a ton of abuse and then it's not really made for it. I mean, it's made for it, but it, you know, we're 60 years, 50 years in now and that stuff is wore out. And so, you know, that's what I recommend a lot of people like your manual box is probably wore out to probably send it in. It's going to be three, 400 bucks to rebuild. Um, you know, and so a lot of people go with the power steering conversions, um, you know, pretty, there's no off the shelf kit, especially for international, um, the D series is you get lucky because the brackets are the same and you can actually mount a power box to the manual bracket. And then all you got to do is source the, the power stuff for the engine. Um, but no, um, you know, Chevy boxes, make a plate on the frame, drill some holes, mount it up. You know, you're going to have to cut the column. That's the problem with the one piece setups is if you do go to power, you have to cut the column fairly close to the firewall. You weld on a Borgeson steering joint. Um, you need to make a bushing to support the shaft in the column. And then you got to support the column. And then, yeah, you know, another Borgeson joint and, and hook it all up. It's, it's really straightforward but it's kind of time consuming and a little bit daunting, but, uh, you know, it's, um, it's definitely worth it in the long run. You know, if your box is shot and you know, if it's going to be whatever to rebuild it, sometimes they can't be rebuilt if they're too worn, if they've just gotten too beat up, uh, you know, sometimes they're bad and can't be repaired. So, you know, really power steering would be something to consider if it got that bad. Um, you know, the scouts, early scouts, I think one of the, one of the best little updates you can do to an early scout is power steering. Uh, again, it's complicated, not a lot, um, of options out there. We're about ready to release a, um, power steering pump bracket for the four cylinders. That seems to be where everybody gets hung up on. Um, so we're going to have one coming out here pretty soon, and uh, hopefully that alleviates some of the some of the worry with power steering conversions. But um, you know that's a that's a good update for you know people that want to drive their scouts all the time in modern traffic and modern conditions. Um, you know they just power steering has just become a thing. You know especially when you've got big tires. And you're trying to, you know, drive a three speed and just all that. Like it was probably a little slower back in the old days and you could get away with it. But nowadays everything's so fast and tight and you got to have as much control as possible. Um, power steering is definitely, definitely nice in the early scouts. Uh, the trucks, you can get away with a little bit longer. The boxes are set up for a little bit more of that, but still power steering is, is nice. Um, you know, and then you get into like the scout with the, uh, off-roads of heavy duty, heavy duty steering. Um, 
you know, the scouts already have the knuckles are kind of high on a scout, which is cool. And then the tie rod comes in on top of the knuckle, which also puts it out of the way a little bit higher. Um, so again, that's kind of cool. Uh, you know, our, our tie rod and drag link sets we sell are solid bar. Uh, I just ran a set through the hammers on my scout and, uh, I hit all kinds of shit with it and they're still pretty straight. So, um, definitely durable, definitely lasts a long time. Um, so, you know, there's that, I see guys using Heim joints or spherical rod ends. Some people call them where you have to drill your knuckle to make a straight hole through it. And then you run a bolt through it and you put a Heim on there with a misalignment washer and whatever. And I really, 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 really caution you against doing that. Um, because what happens is, and this is, I'm not making this up. This is experience. This is why race cars don't do it. This is why, you know, if you run a Heim, it needs to be in double shear because in single shear, which is just a bolt running through it loose, you can tighten that nut up as tight as you want. You know, you can go 500 foot pound, whatever the yield torque of that bolt is that you got running through there. And over time, it won't happen immediately, but over time, that bolt will start to wobble around. You hit a curb, potholes, whatever, off-road, that bolt will start to wobble. And once it starts to wobble in that hole, you can't keep it tight anymore. And it will just wobble and wobble and wear a slot into that knuckle, no matter how tight. So that's why in like race car applications, off-road, Ultra 4, the bolts are in double shear. So they drill through the knuckle and then there will be a piece of flat bar or something that goes on top of the steering joint that then is welded to the knuckle or another location in the steering system that captures that heim joint top and bottom. And now it can't wiggle. It can't, the, the, the bolt can't wobble back and forth. Um, so you'll see it, especially at the pitman arm end, that seems to be where a lot of damage happens is at the pitman arm. Um, just probably because it's the main force of, of the steering system, you know, so you see on, on, desert trucks and things like that where they actually build like a, a receptacle in the pitman arm that captures the bolt top and bottom um that's why all of our systems we build here even on our fancy stuff uh they get one ton tie rod ends and drag link ends because they're rated at you know crazy sheer extremely durable lots of misalignment and they're one tons. So you get all the strength and you still have the safety of a tie rod end and a drag link without having to be in double shear. Um, you know, there's a reason why suspension links aren't single shear. You know, if you, if you look at a four link system, a, the rod ends and bushings are captured on both sides and you know, and there's a reason for that. 
So I, you know, it's, the steering is no different. The steering needs to be captured on both sides if you're using a spherical joint. Um, you can see it in the old days, like this, the D-series is and, and that sort of stuff, the shock mounts are um, single shear, you know, just a bolt running through. And you look at how many of those plates are oval out, are ruined. They've got bent um, hardware, broken hardware. Uh, the C-series or the Scout 80s, 800s were the same way. They had a welded on pin that, so that's, you know, single shear, I guess. And three quarters of them are bent and, you know, not usable again. So that's why the double shear is, is just what you want in general with a lot of that hardware and, and, and heim joints and steering. If you're using a tie rod end, again, they're meant to be single shear because of the taper. That tapered seat in the tie rod end is what keeps it from moving around. It's a seven degree taper. And when that hole is tapered correctly, the tie rod cannot move. And you can see that by when, you know, if you've ever tried to take a tie rod or drag link out, it is stuck. That's why they make special pullers for that application. You know, pickle forks or tie rod presses or whatever is for removing that stuck hardware because it works. That taper works. And so... That's, you know, that's why we like it. Um, you know, I've done, I've definitely done steering system with Himes for sure. But, um, you know, in the daily driver, high use, everyday application, it definitely is, uh, you know, better to go with a tie rod end than a spherical rod end. But, uh, yeah. And then, you know, you've got like Ram Assist. Uh, which I'm probably going to put on my travel all that I'm building um, just because that's even nicer. That's a, that's like a level above. So Ram assist is where, and I'm not talking about the power steering on the C series is where it was a hydraulic Ram on one side. I mean, I guess you could call that Ram assist, but what I'm talking about is like on rock crawlers and, and, big tired scouts and D series is where there is a hydraulic ram that helps move the tie rod and it's ported off of the steering box. Uh, and so you drill and tap the steering box for inlet outlet, and then you plummet to your ram that you, you know, mock up to the uh, axle tube and the tie rod end or tie rod. I mean, and, uh, yeah, you can have the benefits of ram assist, and uh, so that helps with big tires. It helps with uh, abrupt, uh, you know, you hit something hard, you're going fast off road and you clip a, a rabbit or a rock. We, we, in the desert racing, you refer to these hidden rocks and stuff as rabbits, but uh, you hit a rock and instead of it jerking the steering wheel out of your hand or breaking your thumbs, it, uh, it absorbs that, that blow. So it's, uh, it's definitely helpful in the off-road application, uh, slow going, it's nice to be able to steer, uh, and not, and have the power to steer easily. Um, so again, it's like I said, it's for rock crawling and big tires going fast. Uh, but I'll probably put it on my travel all because it'll have medium sized tires, but it'll spend a fair amount of time off-road. And it's just, it's a nice addition to, um, just kind of peace of mind 
it helps save the steering box. It just keeps uh, unnecessary stress off of the steering box. So it's uh, I don't know. I I kind of like it. It's not it's not needed by everybody for sure. But I'm gonna do it on that truck just because uh, I think it would be helpful. But yeah, you know, uh, so getting the manual steering trucks to to steer nice. Sometimes it's not always the steering box that's the problem. Like I said, sometimes it's trunnion bearings. Sometimes it's the tie rod or drag links themselves. Um, sometimes it's binding in the steering shaft, uh, you know, on the early scouts with that bell and spline arrangement. I've seen them where, you know, the bodies, somebody will put a body lift or some shit on there and then it creates a bind. So, um, you know, before you just assume that your steering box needs to be gone through, make sure that, you know, the knuckles are good, trunnions are good, tie rod end, drag link end, all that stuff is is good and, and greased and moves freely. Not loose. You don't want sloppy stuff, but you don't want them to be rusted solid either. That makes for a, a hard, hard steering. Um, and then... And then move on to the steering box, checking for play, making sure it's got the correct oil in it, and that kind of thing. Uh, and then uh, you go go on from there. But uh, but yeah, it's just important that everything else works. It's all you know, just like every system on the on the rig. People blame a carburetor, but oh, they've got a vacuum leak or the timing is wrong, or they've got an ignition problem, or something else, and they want to blame the carburetor because they don't understand it. And the steering box is the same way. It's kind of a mystery what's going on inside of there. And if you have a steering problem, oh, it obviously must be the steering box. And sometimes it's not. So, you know, it's just important to uh, uh, pay attention to all of those things. But, um, yeah. So... I think I covered covered a fair amount of it. Um, yeah, if you have any other questions or concerns, you can uh, always message me, and I'll try to try to clear them up. But uh, yeah, I think we'll cut her off there. So I appreciate you guys. Thank you for listening. Thank you all the Instagrammers that uh, checked it out. And um, until next time, I'm Dan from Binder Boneyard. Mm-hmm.